0: You're listening to episode 35 of the We Got the Runs podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the world's toughest race with Travis Macy. Welcome to the We Got the Runs podcast. I'm your host, Letty Ledquist, and I invite you to join me as we talk about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make every run a good run. Hey, runners. Welcome to episode 35. Hey, hey Ryan. <laughs> we talked at the same time. That's good luck. Is it? Yeah, I think so. I think at least in Frozen, that movie, it's like, <laughs> jinx, jinx again.
1: <laughs> Even I spend too much time with our daughter?
0: Yeah. I mean, can't spend enough time with those little
1: boogers. I think they're adorable, too, but we're biased because we're their parents. Very true. So, on the topic of your podcast today, you have Travis Macy, and we were watching an adventure race with him and his dad, and it was kind of fun to see him enjoying his time with his dad and, you know, visualizing if our kids are interested to share in those experiences with us, too, like the running, and my biking, or or even potentially adventure racing, if we decided to get into that.
0: That was a good show. That was the the World's Toughest Race Eco Challenge Fiji. Did you like that show? It was on Prime, or it is on Prime.
1: Yeah, it was fun to watch. You know, they always kind of fluff it up with some... I mean, it, the drama is real, but, you know, they always show off the drama more than other things, you know, to make it interesting for everyone. But, but it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, so basically it was, I'm not sure, it was maybe 60-ish teams... I want to say of people, groups of four, five or six. I don't remember, but it was, (laughs) it was groups of people and they came from different uh, demographics. So there would be the families. There would be the friends for a long time.
1: Some professional teams. Um, yeah, it was cool. And they did biking and rafting and, and hiking and running and, uh, mountain climbing and everything. It was really neat. I think the challenge for me would be the, Staying up at night or, you know, going through the night multiple nights in a row.
0: Yeah, you like your sleep. At
1: least a little bit of sleep. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think I'd be okay with that part, the not sleeping, but I think everything else would be a challenge for me. <laughs> you
1: would hours. just pass out while you were walking. <laughs> <laughs> We'd turn back and Lenny would be laying on the ground, like, passed out. And we're like, what happened?
0: But then after a 12 minute power nap, I'd be fine and then keep going. <laughs> But no, so yeah, that was really cool. And I'm glad that you're saying that because it's interesting because you never know how your kids will turn out, right? So while I love running and I would love to have my children be runners in the future, that's really nothing. There's really nothing I can do to make them become runners and make them love it as much as I do. So maybe they'll be into volleyball, tennis, or something completely different. And all we can do is just be supportive.
1: Along those same lines, though, a lot of times they do take after you in some ways or they observe you. So, they probably will, you know, gravitate towards the things that we do a bit, which should be fun. I just hope they, you know, whatever they do, they're happy and they stay active because of the health benefits of being active. Yeah. Whether it be running or biking or any type of exercise.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, it's nice if you have children that are as supportive as uh, Travis Macy with his dad. So... For those of you guys who haven't heard about Mark Macy, he is a participant in previous eco-challenges in the 90s, a long-distance runner, and really well-known in that community. And he was actually diagnosed with Alzheimer's, onset of Alzheimer's, um, when he completed the world's toughest race with his son, Travis. But I'll let you listen to this yourself. And with no further ado, here is my interview with Travis Macy. All right. So I'm here with Travis Macy today. Travis, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, Letty. It's awesome to be here with you and to be with the audience.
0: That's awesome. So just for the people that don't know you, can you talk a little bit about yourself, who you are, how you got into running, and how you became an endurance athlete?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm an athlete, author, speaker, and coach. I live in Salida, Colorado. Uh, it's a small town in the heart of the Rocky Mountains um, in a, a fairly rural area. We're surrounded by lots of national forest and BLM land. So uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to get to spend a lot of time outside, uh, running on the trails, mountain biking, road biking, uh, do a lot of skiing and ski mountaineering here in the wintertime. And uh, this kind of stuff. It's, it's really, it's been, um, my lifestyle sort of from the start. I grew, I grew up in Evergreen, Colorado, which is another, uh, or at least used to be a fairly small town. Um, Outside of Denver in the mountains, uh, my parents moved there from Michigan in the late seventies. Uh, so I got to grow up in Evergreen in the eighties, and uh, my dad um, was uh, was really getting into these outdoor sports at that time. Uh, first, he got into marathon, then he did the Ironman, and then he did the the Leadville one hundred uh, trail run, which some of the listeners might be familiar with. And that's uh, that's one of my earliest memories, really, of of the Is being there uh, in Leadville, you know, it's 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 August, but uh, at four a.m. at ten thousand two hundred feet, it's cold. You know, it's it's uh, probably twenties or thirties. And uh, I just I was a little kid standing by the starting line, and you got this you got this guy Ken Kluber. He's kind of like an old cowboy standing there, and he's he's hooping and hawing, and he's saying uh, you know things like you're better than you think you are, you can do do better than you think you can, and talking about grits guts and determination and, and shooting a real, a real shotgun, you know, at the start there at 4 a.m. And, uh, and, and that just, it, it made a, it, it made an imprint on me. And, uh, so I, I was around that stuff. I was watching my dad do that. You know, he did the, uh, the Badwater ultra marathon, um, from Death Valley to the top of Mount Whitney, uh, in the early nineties. So I got to, you know, come along and crew for that and, and watch it. And then I got to watch him, uh, doing the eco challenge races on TV. That would have been the, the late nineties. And, you know, it was kind of, it was planting the seed for me. Um, meanwhile, as a kid and as a teenager, I was, you know, I was, a uh, you know, in many ways, a normal athletic kid, I was into school. I, uh, you know, always wanted to achieve high, you know, um, whether it's anxiety or drive or whatever you want to call it, you know, I always wanted to do well in the classroom. I always wanted to do well in sports and student government, all that kind of stuff. Um, and soccer was, soccer was my main thing as, as a child. And I really just got into running, um, in high school. I started running, uh, track as a freshman in high school and, you know, kind of s- sort of realized that I was pretty good at it. I was probably a better runner than soccer player. Um, started doing cross country my junior year. Um, and then, you know, finally by senior year, I was, I was able to, um, you know, be an all-state runner in Colorado. Uh, I think in the maybe mile, two mile, and cross country. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a phenomenal high school runner. I wasn't getting recruited to colleges or anything like that. Um, I decided I, I wanted to go to CU Boulder, and, and my original plan was to join the the uh, the triathlon team at CU, which is a club team, and it's very competitive and has many good athletes. But also as a club team, it's a it's a big team, and you can't get cut. You know, anyone can can be on the team. Uh, but then I, uh, I read, uh, Chris Rear, excuse me, Chris Lear is the author. He wrote a book called running with the Buffaloes, um, in the late nineties, about, uh, a year that he spent with, uh, with the CU distance running team, which by that time was, you know, a very prominent, uh, running program. And they had won some national championships. And I was reading that the, the summer before my freshman year of college, my dad took me up to Alaska. Uh, um, to uh, celebrate graduating. And I took that book with me. And I remember reading that in the back of this camper out in Alaska. And I was thinking, oh man, maybe I can, maybe I'll try out for the team. So I did. I worked really hard that summer. I showed up at the tryout, made the team and um, and and was was very proud of it. And that was uh, at least for my fast running, you know, kind of the, maybe the highlight of it. I ended up running for, for two years and I did join the CU try team. And then my Senior year, I got into adventure racing. And that's kind of, that was sort of, you know, at least athletically, that was my life for you know, sort of the next 10 years or so traveling around the world, doing these adventure races, you know, kind of like the world's toughest race that, um, that some folks may have seen on Amazon prime. These are multi-sport races that go for many days. You're running, biking, paddling, navigating, uh, you know, rope stuff. Um, it pretty cool, cool adventure, great way to see the world. And, uh, you know, from there I went to ultra running, was really into that for a few years, did some hundred, hundred milers and was, was lucky to, you know, do decently in those, and um, lately, uh, ski mountaineering has kind of been my favorite sport. I'm not, I'm not one of the best athletes, but I I love the sport, and I'm getting better, and I have have a lot of fun. So do that, plus my my coaching and uh, speaking and that kind of stuff.
0: That sounds interesting, ski mountaineering, and you live in the right area for that. But I want yep. to go back to. You know, your childhood, that was a really great influence that your parents or your father had on you by participating in all these races, and then definitely brought you to the adventure racing. And I wanted to talk about the world's toughest race. And like you'd mentioned before, it's a show or it's a race, but it was aired on Amazon Prime, which is where most of us know you from. So I kind of wanted to talk about what that one entailed. Yeah, so the world's toughest race uh, happened in Fiji in
2: 2019. It was a Reincarnation of the Eco Challenge. And uh, some listeners may be familiar with that. That was a uh, similar adventure race and also a TV show produced by Mark Burnett. That was kind of Burnett's start in reality TV before he went on to uh, Survivor and a a variety of, of other projects. And uh, the uh, the race didn't exist from 2002 till 2019, and finally, uh, thankfully, Burnett decided to give it back. He brought in Bear Grylls uh, as as the on screen host and one of the producers, and and many, many of the same production staff, you know, from from the old days. Uh, but it's uh, you know it's it's a real adventure. I mean, it's it's neat in that it it, it is a TV show, and you know, it's produced uh, as such, but it's also a real race and i can say from experience nothing's scripted you know they they don't know who's gonna win or anything like that you know there's there's enough drama that they just put a lot of cameras out there and microphones on you and, and, you know, exciting stuff's going to happen. So, um, this, again, the sport is called adventure racing. And in this case, it's, uh, it's what's called an expedition adventure race. So that means it's non uh, nonstop racing for really a week or more. In this case, the cutoff was, was 11 days. You know, that means the, the top teams, which are, uh, you know, the, some of the best teams in the world, it's probably going to take them five, six, seven days. And, you know, there, there's going to be teams like ours in this case we we were just trying to stay ahead of the cutoffs and make it through you know we we knew we were going to be out there a long time and you're uh you're racing non-stop the the clock never stops so you're going overnight you're uh you're figuring out you know how much do we sleep when do we sleep where do we sleep that's a big um a big piece of it. You know, you got to take care of yourself as far as eating and drinking and, you know, fixing wounds and keeping illness at bay and, and all of that. And, and, uh, like you said, you're doing a wide range of sports. So there's a lot of time on your feet. And, uh, you know, if you're a top team, probably a lot of that could be running. Um, you know, if you're a middle of the pack team, maybe you're kind of hiking up hills and running down hills. And, and, uh, a lot of, a lot of the teams like ours, I mean, you're, you're walking most of it, but you, but you're still, you're going hard. It's technical terrain it's rooty it's rocky it's muddy you know river crossings you're really working as a team uh like i said there's also mountain biking which could involve riding your bike or it could be just pushing and pulling and carrying your bike through through nasty you know knee-deep mud uh there's paddling and that's in this case it was rafts and uh um kind of a a native fijian watercraft called a a thamakau that has a sail on it uh and then also an outrigger canoe And, uh, and then there's rope stuff too. So you might get to a, Uh, a crag or a waterfall or a cliff or something like that. And the ropes are set up and you've got to uh, ascend up the ropes or rappel down or do a Tyrolean traverse and maybe use a fixed line or something like that. And then, um, and you're also navigating the whole way. So the course isn't marked, you know, it's not your, it's not your city 5k where you got the streets roped off. It's, it's a huge (laughs) area and you, you, they, they give you coordinates, So, you know, a series of numbers and you've got to plot those on your map and then you got to use a compass to, to find those points. So that's a, a super interesting, um, skill as well. And I just, you know, it's it, at the, at the heart of it, it's a sport like running, you know, you're pushing yourself, you're going hard, you're training, you're doing your best out there, you know, things may happen as planned or they, they may not, but you figure it out. Um, and then it throws in some other skills. So, uh, so I, I really like it. And, uh, all that said, I'll always be a runner at heart. I love getting up in the morning and going for a run with my dogs on the trail. That's kind of, that's my daily routine.
0: That's awesome. That's a good routine to have.
2: If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight
1: loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash loss.
0: So before we go into specific questions about this Fiji race, I want to take a minute um, to talk about your father. And um, we've mentioned him before. He obviously, as you mentioned, got you into racing, adventure racing, and you were watching him. Can you tell us what's going on with him and uh, how it's affected his ability to perform and how he's doing right now. Yep.
2: Yeah. So, um, uh, dad retired from his career as a, an attorney in, I guess, probably 2016. He was 62 years old and, um, uh, you know, had, had worked. So hard for so many years and athletically and, and, and as a lawyer putting in, putting in big hours and, you know, was really looking forward to a retirement of, of travel. My parents bought a, uh, you know, a nice travel trailer and that was, that was going to be their, their gig traveling around and road trips. And of course, time with, time with the kids and, and with the grandkids and, and all that. And, You know, I mean, we, we were all throwing a big curveball and a couple years later, 2018, when, when he received the Alzheimer's diagnosis. And, you know, like I said on the, on the show, it hits you really hard. It, it, uh, it takes a lot of reckoning. You know, you have all the, the stages of, of, uh, grief and, you know, it's been a, a tough road. Um, for him and for all of us. But I also, I, th- I think we've, we've got a great team. We're really focusing on strengths, you know, rather than, okay, what, you know, in, instead of what can't a person do anymore, it's well, well, what can they still do? What are the things, you know, a person can do that that keeps them excited, that keeps them going, that keeps them engaged in life. And, uh, and in this, in, in that case, it was World toughest race. You know, I don't think we'll do another big race like that together, but, We'll keep doing adventures and we'll keep, uh, you know, basically going as, 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 fast as we can forward, but, but also as slow as we must and, and adjusting and keeping the the team approach. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, Marshall Ulrich again, who, who folks may have seen on TV. Marshall lives in town real close to my dad and, you know, dad can't drive anymore. So Marshall picks him up and they go for runs and they trek around and, you know, once they're out on the trails, they're just, they're two old guys, you know, cussing and BSing and, you know, everything, they're just, they're out there, they're having fun. It doesn't matter. Like if one of them has Alzheimer's or, or not. So, you know, we're, we're staying active, getting out, um, staying fit. And, uh, all of that said, I mean, Alzheimer's is a real deal. It's, it's hard. And, you know, dad, dad kind of needs more and more, um, Support and you know things around the the house are are tougher as far as disorientation or anything with with numbers or tracking time or whatever, but um you know he just he continues to show me letty that it's never too late to help someone else and and he he's just he's still doing that you know whether you know whether it's on social media, you know, obviously with help from someone, but, you know, putting out messages to other folks with Alzheimer's and trying to encourage them. Uh, he's working with, with the Alzheimer's association on a, um, a big campaign they have coming up called the longest day, which is, you know, kind of now through, uh, through June, um, you know, to raise awareness and, and funds for Alzheimer's research. And, and that's been, it's been super cool to, to you know, to kind of be in it with him about that. Um, he and I are working on a book together. Um, and, and, you know, again, at this point, like reading and writing are really hard for dad, but, but, Just because someone can't read or write, that doesn't mean they can't write a book, right? They can still talk and say things and get, get the thoughts down in a book, so... You know, we're, we're doing that together. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of good times ahead and, and, and also a lot of uncertainty. You you know, that's, that's just, that's part of the deal. There's uncertainty, whether you're running a 5K or a 10K or a marathon or, or whatever, there's going to be uncertainty there. You know, man, global pandemic, talk about uncertainty, right? That's just, it's part of life. And one of the things I've realized on the Alzheimer's journey is just that, that life is, um a lot less in our control than than we may hope. And and we have to be as comfortable with that as we can.
0: That's awesome. You got a really good analogy with that going to what saying that life is kind of like a 5K and a 10k, you never know how what's ahead of you because you really don't. All you know is that you have the presence right now. Exactly. Yeah. So specific questions about this Fiji race. How did you pick your group? How did the application process work for other people? And how does that all work?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So the application, you know, like I said, the producers are, are walking that line. We got to have a legitimate race with the best teams in the world and they, they put up good prize money for that. So some teams are getting in based on resume and they, they know they're going to be a contender and I'm sure they want a good solid international field um and then they're also they're going for story teams you know they they need they you know a story like ours a family team or uh, you know comeback stories or uh whatever these these are all good stories on on tv so the application you're actually doing a written application plus a video application and you know i'm sure some of that is okay how how do people do you know as far as interviews and uh how how do they look on tv that kind of thing um Our team, uh, you know, as I talked about in the production our our team kind of changed a bit over time we initially my dad was going to do the race with the stray dogs which is kind of his his good old buddies from the original (laughs) eco challenges they did all these races over the years and uh they they had a great team of of uh um you know four people all over 60 years old and uh and and that was an awesome idea and super cool and kind of as the race got closer you know we kind of realized like well Man this Alzheimer's thing is a real a real thing. Um you know dad's probably going to need support and and even more so. I just realized I want to be out there with my dad. This is an experience I want to you know share with him uh, together out there. So we kind of we we scrambled things a bit and and dad came on to uh to my team and um Dr. Bob who some people saw in the coverage Bob was going to be the crew guy for stray dogs but now he got to race and that means Marshall's wife, Heather Ulrich, who who is uh wonderful and a and a great uh crew leader, got to be their crew person. And uh that's kind of how it shook down. You know, as far as our other members, um, we had Danielle Ballongy, just a a good old friend and someone also who who's also bounced back from adversity. You know, many people may know she had a um uh, a near death accident, uh, trail running in Moab, Utah, in two thousand six. She uh, she slid off a cliff and you know basically almost died uh, before being rescued by her dog. It, it, I mean it's a real life lassie story. If you haven't seen it, look up Danelle's name or check out uh, Animal Planet made a uh, uh, show about it. I think it's called "I Shouldn't Be Alive." So it's kind of a reenactment, and you know they didn't get into it really on the on the Fiji coverage, but it, it's an incredible story, And this was, this was Danelle's first race back, you know, after that huge accident that again, she almost died from, you know, almost 15 years mm-hmm. ago. So that was, you know, just so special to celebrate that with her and, uh, and Shane and Andrew, you know, two more, just, you know, not, not only people who, who know what they're doing in this sport, but who are just great people. And that's really, that's what you need. These, these sports like running, man, it's going to push you. To your limit and um, you're going to have to dig deep. You're going to have to ask for help. You're going to, you're going to have chances also to be a leader. And uh, that's, that's what I really like about the, about the team sports. Um, and I think you can also find it in, in individual running races as well.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of camaraderie and, you know, the support crews is just as important as the racers, as you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. So to get ready for a race like this, can you tell me a little bit about how you and your dad in particular trained for this?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, really, if if you're trying to win, you got to spend a lot of time Running and hiking on, on very technical mountainous terrain. You got to spend a lot of time on your bike, also going up and down hills, especially for a race like this. It's very hilly and you got to spend a lot of time paddling. Um, you know, to be competitive, there's so much like, I mean, this race, we spent the entire first two days. All we did was paddling and, and whether or not you're trying to go fast again, we had no designs on getting to the podium or anything. That's just a long time to paddle and you got to be strong and you got to have the right technique. So you, you have to put in the time doing these things um, and how much time that's gonna that's gonna vary you know if uh, again uh, an elite team they're probably you know training kind of like a professional triathlete or something you know probably 15 20 25 hours a week um, you know many others I, I think sometimes people see this and they think oh my gosh I can I'd love to do that but I but I can't do it I don't have enough time or this or that and I'm telling you man if you want to do something like this you can figure it out you don't need that much time you know I think a a lot of people can get a lot done in let's say eight 10 12 hours a week that's probably what most of the athletes um, I coach do so it's it's probably the the training is less about mileage uh, and more about again time on your feet vertical gain working on the specific skills uh, like orienteering and all your gear and managing that um, and then you know with with uh, with Alzheimer's as as kind of the you know, an extra teammate, if you will, for, for this race, dad and I put a lot of time into, you know, how, how are we going to navigate the challenges therein. for example, the, the rope stuff, you know, dad was an elite level rock climber for, for decades. and And now with Alzheimer's, you know, once he's roped in and ready to go, he was nailing it very well, but, but you know, getting the harness on, getting this clipped here, that clip there, all these ropes and stuff that that was really hard with with Alzheimer's, and we had to spend a lot of time practicing that and you know help having him get to you know basically his highest functionality there, but then me also working on okay what are what are the precautions I'm going to take you know to make sure that we're doing this safely because that of course is the is the top priority so there's a lot that goes into it and then there's of course just you know the travel the arrangements how do you get all this gear how do you get it all to fiji how do you get certifications for ropes and whitewater and navigation and jungle skills um it's a it's a big push getting to the race you, you typically you get to the start of these races and you're you're kind of sleep deprived and running on fumes
0: <laughs> before you even start in- and uh, that's actually what I want to talk about. Can you walk us kind of yeah. through this whole experience? So you get to Fiji, how many days beforehand did you arrive there? And um, then how did everything go? How did you start? What elements were first? Yeah, so I think we
2: we got there, what, maybe three or four days beforehand. And, you know, initially you're kind of, you're dealing with the the jet lag and just trying to get your senses about you. You're going through the airport again with with all of these, you know, for our team, we had five, uh, what are these? They're like 45-gallon action packer tubs. And we've got four mountain bikes in uh, in in bike boxes. And you're just hoping that you get all of that first that it's arrived, and then you get it through the airport. And right. <laughs> you know, then you're building your bikes. And then you get to this five-star resort where all the teams are staying. And there's just gear everywhere i mean outside every room in the hallways out on the lawn you know it just it looks like a yard sale with a whole bunch of uh of adventure racing junk but you're going through that and and you're seeing old friends i mean this uh you know if you're a new athlete you're meeting people again kind of like the running community it's just super supportive everyone's everyone's out there to help each other and and for us it's you know seeing people you've known from racing around the world for for years and years um and, uh, and you still don't know the course, you don't know what the course is or, or even how the race is going to start till literally five minutes before the start is when you get the first set of maps. So you're, you know, you're kind of planning as much as you can, but oh, a, wow. a lot of it, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, and, and that's part of the sport. That's a really cool, cool thing. Like, well, you know, what disciplines you're going to do, you know, you're going to be trekking, we're going to be paneling, biking, et cetera, but you don't know the order. You don't know the distances, you know, nothing. Um, so anyway, you, you finally get to the start, Bear Girls flies in on a helicopter, you know, he, he gives a little talk, uh, and that was fun. Bear, you know, we found to be a great guy and he's very good at the theatrics, but I, I think he's also authentic. You know, he was clearly psyched to, to be out there and be, uh, be part of the deal. So, um, so that was a lot of fun and, you know, then you, then you finally get going and, uh, you know, at the, at the start, kind of, you know, kind of like, a whatever your race is a 5k, a 10k, a half marriage. marathon, a marathon, often you're starting at the, at the line and you're thinking, Oh my God, like this is a long distance. How am I going to make it through this? And I think the answer is just one step at a time. You can't worry about the whole thing. You gotta, you gotta crush the details. You gotta think about what you're doing, you know, your pacing, your nutrition, everything that, that you've done in practice. And especially if your race is 11 days, you know, you can't worry about what's going to happen on day 11 you just you just got to be present you just got to keep going and you, and you also you got to recognize and here's another running lesson is is that things are going to go downhill you're going to suffer whether it's your legs or your stomach or you have a side cramp or whatever. And, uh, things can get better. You know, it, it never always gets worse. It's very logical to think like, Oh man, I feel this bad at, you know, whatever mile 12 at mile 20, I'm really going to feel bad. Well, you might not keep moving forward, eat, drink, and stay positive, And you might actually feel a lot better. And that's something that really happens in these long races is you go way downhill and you're really suffering along and then, you know, you bounce back and the next couple of days, you're, you're feeling much better.
0: So when you're saying that you got the map, were you talking about? You got the map for the whole course, or did you get a map to your specific next base camp?
2: Great question at this, uh, this race was kind of divided into five, uh, Chunks, if you will. So we at the start, we got the map for, for, yeah, the first approximately fifth of the race getting to base camp one. So that was going to be, uh, you know, about in our case, you know, somewhere around two and a half days of, of racing. So you're starting out with, with food and gear and clothes and everything you need for that, that first two and a half days. And, and, and you don't know what's next. You just know, you got to make it to this base camp one by whatever it was 4 PM on day three. And, uh, and then hopefully you make it there and then you get the maps for the next section. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's a mental game, uh, in addition to, to being in a physical game.
0: So then once you get to the base camp, does the clock stop until you leave again or do they continuously run the whole thing?
2: Yep. The clock, the clock's still going. It never, it never stops. Um, when you're in that, that base camp, which is where you meet your crew member, um, the, the guideline they put in, in this race was you got to stay there for at least 90 minutes. And that's so they can do interview, mainly so they can do interviews if, uh, you know, for the TV if they want to. Um, so, and, and that depends. Many teams, you know, they would get there and they sleep for, eight hours or I mean, probably not eight, but you know, three, four or five or whatever. Like the first base camp we got to, we got there in the middle of the day. So we, we got there, we, you know, transitioned and ate some food and got all ready, uh, did some interviews and then we left at exactly 90 minutes. And then the next time we got to a base camp, which was, I don't know, a couple nights later, we got there, uh, sometime in the middle of the night and it made sense to sleep then. So we stopped and we, we slept at camp, uh, you know, in the the tents, which are slightly warmer and drier than, than the jungle, but still pretty wet, and uh, you know it's 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 uh, it's muddy and nasty out there. But that's part of the fun.
0: When you think about Fiji, you think about warm weather and all that. But then I was watching your show, and it was a lot of walking through rivers and basically spending your whole time being wet. And a lot of people were cold. So is that what happened yeah. with you guys in that first section, or did that just prolong and go all throughout the rest of the race?
2: It's a it's a mix. I mean, welcome to adventure racing. You're either co- way too hot or you're way too cold, and and often in very close succession. And and you're right. You know, when you're by the coast, it is it's warm it's hot it's humid it's sunny it's it's you know it's a tropical island paradise, but then when you get in the the inland mountains you know you're you're getting up to probably two three four thousand feet of elevation um, and it's it's very moist and raining and it's cold enough that when you're depleted and you're in and out of the water. Um, it is, it is pretty cold. So we, we had, you know, just a number of times where you're, you're cooking all day long and dealing with heat, trying to keep, you know, heat exhaustion at bay, which of course you saw in the coverage, you know, some teams had very significant challenges with that. And, and, and then lo and behold, a few, <laughs> a few hours later, you're, you're cold. Cause it's, it's the middle of the night and it's high. And, you know, again, it's whatever, 40 or 50 degrees out and you're all wet and that's enough to, to get pretty cold.
0: Yeah. So, Travis, what were your favorite parts for you that you enjoyed most, completing them with your team, with your dad, and why?
2: Uh, You know, for me, this one, the the human experience was was the best part for me. I mean, at the top of that list is doing it with my dad. I mean, just... You know, truly a well, once in a lifetime opportunity, and it was it was awesome, and it was fun to just be present and enjoy it. And, and then the, the next layer of that was my teammates, and then the adventure racing community, you know, friends from all over the place, including the race organizers, uh, and then the Fijian people. I think you got the, the sense a little bit watching the show. The Fijian people are just incredible. They are the nicest, most generous, most enthusiastic, most welcoming people I've met anywhere in the world I mean they're inviting us into their house to sleep and giving us food and washing our bikes and just every little village you go through all the kids are running out and they're going boo they're giving you five and I mean it was just that spirit was was infectious and it, it really letty it's it's stuck with me it's made a big impact just on my life and how I want to treat people and uh, I'm so thankful that my wife and my kids were able to go you know they weren't out on the course obviously but but anywhere in Fiji, you get that sense. And, uh, it's, it's a great, great takeaway. So that, that human experience, you know, that was the top. Um, and other than that, I mean, you know, the, the racing itself, like I, I love that stuff. I love being out there. It was especially fun this time. Cause we were, we were sleeping a lot and, and the sleep deprivation when you're racing hard, it is just, it is so hard and it makes things, you know, not fun for a lot of the time, but since we were sleeping a lot, I mean, it was, it was pretty enjoyable. You know, you're enjoying the scenery, you're in these, you know, these, these virgin jungles and, um, you know, the rafting in that Canyon was just incredible. This, these limestone cliffs on the side and, and waterfalls. And, um, you know, it's, it's an awesome place to go. And we did, we had the tropical Island paradise thing too, when you're on the coast, you know, and you're seeing the coral reefs and beaches, you know, that was, that was great as well.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. That sounds amazing. What were your favorite parts when it came to the athletic stuff? Was it the paddle boarding, the running, the biking, Mm -hmm. the building floats? What was your favorite part (laughs) and why?
2: Yeah, I typically I enjoy the running and the biking the most, just because that's that's kind of my wheelhouse and what I've done a lot of, and usually I can do uh, pretty well with. Um, You know that that said. In these long races, usually your least favorite thing is the thing that you're doing right now, because it's, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, you've, you've, you've been doing it for, you know, six, eight, 10, 12, 16 hours, and, and you just get pretty sick of it. So the, you know, the, the favorite thing is whatever's coming next, because you're looking forward to it. And uh, the least favorite thing is whatever you're doing, because you're so darn sick of it.
0: Well, I'm sure it was an enjoyable experience, no matter what, because it's kind of like a marathon. I'm imagining where you're really suffering at three hours, and then right when you finish, you hate it, and then you absolutely love it.
2: Yeah, yeah, that it often goes that way. I mean, these you know, you ha- in a week of racing, you have the the highs and the lows that you might normally have in in a year of life. It's so intense, and uh, you know that's a big reason that people keep uh, keep coming. Coming back from it, um, you know. That said, I I I always recommend to the the athletes I coach, you know, make sure you take enough time in between it because especially when you get into these longer running races, whether it's a marathon or you know an ultra distance of fifty k or more you have that experience and hopefully it's a great one. And that's kind of like you said, you finish and you're like, Oh my God, that's the best thing ever. I'm going to do it again in two weeks, you know, or, or you don't have a great race and you think, Oh, I need revenge. I'm going to do it again in two weeks. (laughs) Uh, you know, maybe you can do that a few times, but it's usually not, sustainable. You know, you got to you got to take a break. You got to recover physically, uh you got to get you got to recover mentally and get hungry again mentally. You know, the, the, again back to kind of that overtraining thing. It's definitely possible to go in um too deep and do too much. And I think many runners have that mentality, right? We're, we're driven. We want to do it. We like the routine. We like to go, go, go. Um, But one thing I've learned is sometimes you gotta, you gotta slow down a bit and, um, you know, r- recognize the other idea, other areas of your life as well.
0: Yeah. And especially we got that last year in 2020 with COVID that everything shut down. So yep. has that made you hungry again? And what's next for you?
2: Yeah, it has, Letty. And, and one thing that, that it, with regards to the, you know, the racing side of things, um, the COVID experience has just, uh, reminded me that being able to go out to a race or an event or a group run, what have you with the community, it's such a privilege. Like I think that's something that many of us especially, you know, people who've been an athlete for a long time, you just start taking for granted. Oh, there's this race or there's that race or, you know, I see these people all the time and, you know, I've got to realize like, wow, (laughs) this is, whether it's a running race or, you know, skiing or biking or I I don't care what it is, just being able to get out there and do something you love with like-minded people. I mean, that's, that's what I'm excited for. And I'm optimistic that that's, you know, whether it's this spring or this summer or in the fall, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm optimistic that, that things are, are coming back. And I think any event you go to, I just think there's going to be a lot of positive energy because everyone's going to be psyched to be there to, together.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure all of our listeners are signing up and have their races lined up. And now we're just hoping that they all take place again in the mm-hmm. fall. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we got to roll with the punches. You know, we got to, you know, if, if they, if, if they don't or if it's virtual or whatever, you know, I think we can also, the, uh, you know, I, I think people are getting back to the basics. Like, why do I run? You know, is it, is it because of a time? Is it because of a, you know, a medal? Is it? Or is it because I love being out there or, or all of the above, you know, like you, you figure out what your why is. But I, I know for me, I mean, I just, I, 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 I've come to the terms with the fact, a lot of it for me is just being outside in nature, whether I'm running or biking or skiing or hiking or hunting or, you know, fishing, like whatever I'm doing, it's, it's being out there with, uh, with nature.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Travis. And uh, if our listeners want to get in touch or find you online, what's your online presence? Where can they find you? uh, at Travis Macy on
2: Instagram. Um, the new website for the Travis Macy show.com is up. That's a um, a podcast. So you're, um, I'm, uh, following in your footsteps, Letty, and, uh, starting a podcast. And, uh, hopefully the first episodes will, uh, will be dropping in February. Um, so people are welcome to, uh, to, to check that out. And, um, you know, it's something that I've, been wanting to do for a long time anyway like you one thing i've realized letty is like we just need to connect with people and, and that's a big driver for me i just you know that's why i like sitting here chatting with you and being with your listeners is because it's it's a way to just c- connect with with people um and and add a bit of a human touch you know in in an unstable world
0: that's awesome. And I uh, can't wait to listen to that, Travis. And then of course, people can also find you on Amazon Prime, of course, with your show for you the the world's toughest race. Yep. Yeah, that's still
2: going. Hopefully that'll stay up uh, you know, for uh, I don't know, <laughs> forever,
0: I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you never know with Prime, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly.
0: Well, thank you so much.
2: Cool. All right, thanks, Letty. Yeah, really enjoyed
1: talking with you.
0: Thanks. have a good day. Thanks again, Travis. That was an awesome interview.
1: I enjoyed that interview. It was fun to see the other facets of his life besides just the adventure racing and running, being that he's a writer.
0: Yeah, that's so true. It was fun to see how he was portrayed on the show, but it was really cool to have a firsthand interview with him and see the other aspects of his life.
1: It was fun watching that race on TV. It would be cool to actually try one of those someday.
0: Yeah. Or maybe a
1: smaller one first. It's not (laughs) multiple days because it looks quite challenging.
0: Very true, Ryan. We'll start with a local small one. Anyhow, now I'm going to move on to our segment with Australian physiotherapist Brody Sharp. One of our listeners that wrote in has a running-related injury question. So let's make this phone call. Hi, Brody. How are you doing today?
3: Good, Letty. Fantastic. How are you?
0: I'm doing great as well. I have a question for you from Sim, who says, I broke a toe approximately six weeks ago, and it seems to have healed, but I don't have the same range of motion.
3: Okay. Hi, Sim. Uh, Thanks for... Well, I'd say it's a question. It's kind of more of a... I don't think there's any question mark in (laughs) there, but... Uh, Sorry to hear that you fractured your toes. It's good to hear that it has healed. Um, If you do have reduced range of motion, I guess um, see if it starts to impede your running. Let's just say if the question is, do I, should I go back to running or do um, I need to be mindful of anything to do with running? Um, I would mention, I'll try to start running and see if there's any stiffness that reduces the, the stiffness. So you might, work on the range of movement of both toes and find that there's reduced range of movement. But as soon as you start running and the uh, function that's required for running, you might be having adequate range of movement. So uh, I'd say just to slowly get into it, there's no harm in just wearing some um, standard runners and just going for a run and seeing if it impedes on your running at all. Um, If there is significant reduced range of movement and you find yourself limping, then you might have to do some rehab around it.
0: And is that something that could happen after a broken bone, that this is something you would say you see often, that there's a reduced range of motion in particularly broken toes?
3: Yeah, uh, it is. um, But the toes don't need a large range of movement to actually start running. There might be, depending where the fracture actually is, it might impede on the joint space, and so it might get particularly sticky and hard to move. Uh, The joint, the bone itself might fuse and might have a little bit of um, bone growth in other parts of the joint now. So that's, it's it's harder to, uh, to move, but it all depends on the severity of the break depends where the fracture actually is, depending on, um, it will just, it's a bit of guesswork in terms of what actually happened during the fracture to what the outcome afterwards actually is. It might be severe, but like Sim was saying, if it's healed within six weeks, I wouldn't, necessarily say it's too severe. Um, therefore recommend just trying some running and see how it goes.
0: Perfect, Brody. And if uh, Sim or our other listeners want to hear more from you, where can they do that?
3: They can uh go to the Run Smarter podcast and have a listen to a few of those episodes. I'm sorry, Sim, I don't have an episode on broken toes, uh maybe in the future. But um yeah, you can learn some a lot of principles about returning to running and paying attention to um, symptoms and how to accurately interpret those symptoms
0: perfect Brody thank you so much you're welcome thanks Brody again that was a great answer and if you want to have your question about your running related injury answered on air please don't hesitate to shoot us a message and that brings us to the end of our show we hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode and maybe it inspired you to run an adventure race until then
1: have a great week of running (laughs)
0: thanks for listening. For training tips, previous podcast episodes, and fun merchandise for runners, please check out our website at wgtr.us. That's wgtr.us. And as always, have a wonderful week of running.